Welcome to the Vitality Radio Podcast, your source for the truth about health, wellness, and real alternatives to drugs, surgeries, and the status quo of healthcare. Here, you'll find information that empowers you to take control of your health. But it's not just about health and wellness, it's about the politics of healthcare and protecting your health freedom. Now, here's your host, Jared St. Clair. Hello and welcome to Vitality Radio. I'm your host. My name is Jared St. Clair. It's good to be with you on another edition of Vitality Radio. I'm excited for today's topics because they are both, well, let's say near and dear to my heart. Both things that I think about a lot, that I talk about a lot in individual conversations uh, with either customers at Vitality Nutrition or friends, family members, things like that. And the one topic, the primary topic of the day, it's going to be maybe 50-50, we'll see how it goes, is cold and flu. Why do we get colds and flus? Do you ever think of that? Is it because we're tired? Is it because our immune system's worn down? What is it that's going on that actually makes us get one? Because the viruses are floating around all the time. The question is, why do we suddenly get attacked and uh, the virus takes hold and makes us sick. I'm going to talk about that from an angle you probably haven't heard before. And I think it'll be very interesting to you. I'm excited to talk about it. I've actually done this on Vitality Radio before, but it was about five years ago. And it's, I got to get into it again. Going to go in a little deeper this time too. And the first topic I'll introduce when I do it. It's part of my morning rant. And this is one that I've been kind of working on as I've been massaging things, trying to get ready for the podcast to launch and everything else. I love this topic. I love the information I've found for you. It's psychological stuff. I think it's really, really useful stuff, and I think you're going to love it too. It's time to get some stuff off my chest. I've been thinking about a lot. It's time for the morning rant. In a world full of often confusing messages about health, let Jared be your guide through the smoke screens of corporate greed, media bias, government ineptitude, and propaganda. When you see what is really happening, you'll be ranting too. It's time to expose the hidden agendas. It's time for the truth. It's time for the vital rant. Alrighty, so here we go. I was visiting this little place called Hee Farms in Pleasant Grove, Utah last week with my little ones. I've got an almost 10-year-old and a barely 7-year-old, and they're amazing. I mean, absolutely just one of the biggest, uh, most amazing things in my whole life are these two little kids and the joy they bring me, but that's beside the point. This was about bringing them some joy, so we took them to Hee Farms. And Hee Farms, it's a little uh, corn maze. They've got a a little wagon train thing that they do. There's a petting zoo. There's slides and everything, all kinds of fun. It's closed now for the winter, I think, but apparently it goes all year long and I'm excited to try it again next year. But anyway, this is about a week or so ago. I've got uh, my little ones there with me and we went to the petting zoo first because, you know, kids love the animals, right? This petting zoo, it wasn't a zoo. It was a, I don't know, what. I'm not a farm person. 
<laughs> but it's a little uh, corral, a little corral, that's the word, with sheep and goats, mostly. A uh, couple other things in there, but mostly sheep and goats. And interestingly enough, there was one really big sheep. I mean, he was easily twice, three times the size of the other sheep. And then there's a bunch of little sheep in there and there's a bunch of goats. Well, at one point, this guy, there was this like 12-year-old running the thing. It was really funny, cute kid. But he wasn't paying that close of attention at this moment. And this guy's trying to get his two kids out of the corral and he opens it up and two goats escape and go right for the feed bag, man. They know what's going on and they're just going to town and this kid comes and he's trying to get, you know, things settled and, you know, we're helping trying to hold the gate while they're pushing the goats back in and so on and so forth. And he goes, oh man, I'm just grateful that that big sheep didn't get out because if he gets out, all the other sheep follow him. And that's what sheep do, right? But it was interesting because as I was thinking about that, you know, that's a real life scenario. And I thought it was very interesting because I have been known to call people sheep. Because I think there's a lot of that going on in our culture today, in this world, and in this country in particular, where we just kind of do what we're told. We obey, we conform. And I wanted to try and understand why. So I did some digging and I found some really, really great information on a website that I'd never seen before. The website is called freedominthought.com. I want to make sure and give them some props because the information was very, very good. Freedominthought.com. And they have two videos on there. They have a bunch of stuff. But the two videos I, I'm going to talk about today are the ones that I posted on Facebook. Why We Obey and why we conform. What's behind it psychologically, what's happening in our heads that makes us just kind of do what we're told? Now, you might be thinking to yourself, well, I'm an individual. I don't do what I'm told, but we do, right? I mean, if we pull up to a stop sign and uh, there's a traffic cop out there and he's directing traffic differently than the stoplight would or the stop signs would, and he's waving you through, it's a little weird, right? You see the stop sign, you're like, oh, I got to stop. But then the cop is up there and he's saying, yeah, come on through. And then so you, you run the stop sign. You've got permission and you do as you're told. We all do it in life, right? And, and to a large degree, it's a good thing because if we ignored the cop, you know, in that case, traffic would be a problem. We might end up getting in an accident. There's all kinds of things that could happen. There are really excellent reasons why we should conform. It's best to stay in your lane on the freeway, right? Instead of just swerving in and out of lanes and saying, I don't care. I don't care what everybody else is doing. I'm just going to do what I'm doing. No, you got to care what everybody else is doing because the guy on the side of you is going to be pretty unhappy when you slam into his car, right? Now, those are traffic um, analogies and there's so many others, but why do we obey and why do we conform and kind of do what other people do? And I really wanted to understand that better. And so I looked at this website, among others, and I loved what they uh, picked for these videos because they have real scientific experiments to try and help us understand this stuff. So here is the first one. It's why we obey. So they did a study. Very, very interesting study, a, a researcher named Milgram, 
where he would take just three participants. There would be the experimenter, the scientist behind the study, a teacher is what they were called, and a learner. Now, the, this was a fake study, but the teacher thought it was a real study. So they brought these people in, and there was a study behind a study, essentially. The learner was an actor, and he knew about the experiment. The teacher did not know about the experiment. And they were testing the effects of administering, the, the, the fake study was testing the effects of administering electric shocks on a learner's ability to memorize a list of word pairs. For example, green flower or couch potato. The subject was tasked with teaching the learner this list. The subject would go through the list once and then read off one of the words in a pair. If the learner guessed the word correctly, the subject would move on to the next pair. However, if they guessed incorrectly, the subject was supposed to administer an electric shock. Shocks went up in 15-volt increments all the way until 450, 450 volts. There were also corresponding labels indicating the intensity of the shocks, ranging from slight shock to simply XXX. Now, remember, there was no shock actually being administered. This was the fake, but the teacher thought it was real. The real test. The real test underlying this fake one was to see how far subjects would be willing to go in administering shocks before they stopped. At the shock level of 300 volts, the subject, the learner, would hear, or sorry, the, the, the subject, the teacher, would hear the learner pounding on the wall and begin refusing to answer. A second pound was heard at 315 volts. This test was designed to put the subject in a tug of war between obeying their own morals, you know, like not hurting the person, and obeying an authority figure. If the subject began hesitating, the experimenter used one of four prods to get him to continue. They ranged in intensity from simple requests to orders. The results. The results of the test were shocking. 65% of participants administered the maximum level of shocks, all the way up to 450 volts. All participants obeyed until at least 300 volts when they could hear the learner pounding on the wall and refusing to answer. Now, various different tests have been done to kind of replicate this, and for the most part, they get the same results. So how do we interpret this? What does it mean? The best place to start is with Milgram's interpretation of the experiment. But before you can understand it, you have to understand his view of obedience as a natural phenomenon. Obedience is as basic an element in the structure of social life as one can point to, Milgram said. Milgram believed that humans evolved the capacity to organize in social hierarchies because it was a huge survival advantage, like I said about the traffic thing. And that has become the way that we generally do things. We just kind of go with the flow, so to speak, because you know, if it's not bugging us too much and it helps society move along or progress, then that's what we do. But there's something known as the agentic shift. When you enter a hierarchy and become an agent, you no longer feel responsible for your actions, but responsible to the one above you. In the case of the traffic cop, the traffic cop. In the case of the test, the scientist that was administering the test. This new mindset is known as the agentic state. 
To understand this state, it helps to separate it into a few components. The capacity for agency, why we become an agent, the features of an agent, and what keeps us from exiting the agentic state. The capacity of agency. Milgram argues that the agentic state has been socialized in us through family, school, and work because these environments value obedience, reward us for it, and punish us for disobedience, right? So obedience is taught to us as we grow up. And school would be an excellent uh, source of this, um, especially, right? So how do we become an agent? Why would you choose to become an agent? Probably the better question. Imagine that you're taking part in this experiment. You walk into the room and what do you do? If you want the experiment to run effectively, you need to cooperate with the group. Recall that one of the most effective ways to coordinate a group is to designate a leader. Someone has to be in charge, right? Since this is a new hierarchy that you're entering into, you know that you're not in charge. You assign that role to the experimenter or the scientist because you perceive them to be a legitimate authority. You willingly enter this hierarchy because of it has a guiding ideology that you believe in and would be willing to further because progress and science. Lastly, the experimenter makes demands of you that are appropriate for the hierarchy that you're in. He makes demands with regards to the experiment and not unrelated things. He doesn't tell you what to eat for dinner, example. He just tells you how to run the experiment. Now that we've become an agent in this case, what does this shift in mindset entail? When we are in a hierarchy, we tend to value the word of our superiors more than our inferiors. Continuing our example, you're not going to take advice from the learner on how to conduct the experiment. That's because you see him at an equal or lower position on the hierarchy. We also interpret our actions with regards to the mission of the hierarchy. For example, scientific progress. Keep in mind that we have willingly entered this hierarchy as an agent with a belief in its guiding mission. This leads to the most important feature of being an agent. We no longer feel responsible for our actions, but responsible to carrying out the wishes of the one above us. Now, what keeps us there in that agentic state? If we hear the pounding and feel we are doing something morally wrong, why don't we leave? Milgram's first reason is consistency. To admit that our current action is wrong would mean that we have to admit that all of our actions leading up to this point were wrong. That is a very tough pill to swallow, and most people would rather not do it. The second reason is, well, we feel an obligation to the experimenter. We already made a commitment to help him, and we want to uphold it. And the third reason is that all participants entered and began this experiment under the specific situational definition. We acknowledge that the authority was legitimate, knew what he was doing, and deserved to be higher up on the hierarchy than us. Violating this or any other socially agreed upon situational definition produces feelings of awkwardness and discomfort because we are disrupting the social order. Lastly, there are feelings of anxiety associated with disobeying an authority figure. We have been socialized to respect authority figures and anticipating that we may have to disobey and disrupt the social order makes us anxious. Now, those are all really important things to keep in mind. My favorite one, though, I think, because it applies to a lot of what I'm going to talk about in today's rant, is that tough pill to swallow. <laughs> Pardon the pun because, you know, we talk about pills a lot on this show. 
but you're in that agentic state. You feel you're doing something morally wrong. The person in the next room, you're shocking them and they're pounding on the wall saying, stop, shocking me. Why don't we stop? Because when we admit that our current action is wrong, we have to go back and think, oh, I shouldn't have done this in the first place. I was wrong to sign up for this. And we have to go back and back. Now, if we think about other examples of this, when it comes to healthcare, for instance, it's very interesting. If our doctor says, you should do this, you have high cholesterol, you need to be on a statin drug, you are pregnant, you need to get the flu shot, you have an autoimmune disease, you need to be on an immune system modulating drug that's going to essentially weaken your immune response so that you can control your symptoms better. These are all, more often than not, in my opinion, bad ideas, bad advice, bad medicine. Now, I go against the norm here. I'm not the sheep following the big sheep. I'm uh, the goat that prodded me in the butt asking for more food with his goat horns. Yeah, it's like, hey, man, pay attention to me. Yeah, that's kind of what I do on Vitality Radio. You know, I'm poking you a little bit and saying, think about this. And I got a letter. Oh, boy, did I get a letter. I got a letter, and it was like a legit letter, not an email. Not a message on Facebook, not a text message, not any, it was a letter. It was addressed to me. It had no return address and there was no signature because the person at the end of the letter basically said, I don't argue with people like you. (laughs) Yeah. You can imagine what the rest of the letter said. I'm going to talk about that on a future episode, likely the next episode of Vitality Radio. Uh, But I've been kind of mulling that over and this show was mostly already written, so do that again. But I got a letter because this person said, I'm doing a disservice to the listeners of this show by telling them how I feel because how I feel is wrong and how this person felt clearly right. And uh, you know what? That's kind of the risk you run when you stand up and say, whoa, wait a minute. Wait a cotton picking minute. I don't believe what you're telling these people to do is right. I think it's wrong. And I do that a lot on Vitality Radio. That's kind of what the rant's all about. So back to this thing, this why we obey. What is it about it? When we have our doctor and he says, listen, and I've heard these words come out of my customers' mouths telling me what their doctor said to them. You want to die of a heart attack? You want to have a stroke? Don't go on this statin drug. But if you want to be healthy, you want to be around for your grandkids, that's called fear-based medicine, by the way. You want to be around for your grandkids to bounce on your lap, you need to take this statin drug. Well, we know scientifically, like we know scientifically, if you look at the science, we know this. It's not a theory anymore. Statin drugs are far more dangerous than they are beneficial. The whole cost, uh, or not cost, sorry, uh, risk-benefit analysis that the FDA points to and pharmaceutical companies point to constantly in the drug approval process is broken when it comes to statin drugs because we know that according to meta-analysis of dozens of tests, studies, sorry, over the years, that once you're on a statin drug for 10 years, if you put, depending on the meta-analysis you look at, anywhere from 140 to 250 people have to be on a statin drug for 10 years for one person in that group 
to not have a heart attack or stroke because of it. One in 250 over a 10-year period, but 10% of those people will have significant side effects during that time. So, bad medicine, in my opinion. I'm not your doctor. I don't claim to be your doctor. I don't even want to be your doctor. Some people call me Dr. Jared. I say, please, no, thank you. (laughs) Jared's fine. I don't want to take that place in your life. What I want to do is I want to say to you right now on Vitality Radio, the big sheep isn't always right, right? Because here's the thing about Hee Haw Farms. We're there and we're like uh, 100 yards, maybe 150 yards from a pretty major 45 mile an hour road. Now that sheep had gotten out and decided to walk across that road, what would the little sheep have done? Well, they've been following that sheep all along. They've been safe. They've been fed. Everything's been fine. They follow them across the road. And then they die or get hurt real bad, right? Sometimes the big sheep's not right. And in this case, the big sheep is the authority figure, right? And the authority figure in the case of medicine is oftentimes your doctor, or sometimes it's the Centers for Disease Control, or the World Health Organization, or the National Institutes for Health, or the Surgeon General, and the list goes on and on, the County Health Department. I mean, I had to go to the Health Department to get a a new passport or a new uh, birth certificate so I could get a passport. And I, I walk into that place and the propaganda on the walls is unbelievable, unbelievable except I knew it was going to be there. I expected it. So I guess it was believable to me. Most people probably wouldn't even notice. And I'm not saying that I'm smarter than anybody listening to this show. I just happened to get lucky. And how did I get lucky? I got this dad. He's been gone for about 10 years, but my dad, Clyde St. Clair, what a stud. How's <laughs> to put it? What an absolute stud my dad was. Here's the thing about my dad. He just didn't care. He didn't care what you thought. He wore Birkenstocks before Birkenstocks were cool. And now Birkenstocks really aren't cool again, but they were, and then they weren't, right? But originally, they never were. They were goofy-looking sandals. He wore them with dark socks all the time. And nobody wore socks with sandals then. Now the kids wear socks with sandals. He was just ahead of his time. But regardless, he wore them to church. He didn't wear dress shoes. He liked his Birkenstocks. He thought they were better for his feet. And he didn't care if you wanted him to wear dress shoes. That didn't matter. My dad was, he was a renegade. He was a, uh, he was kind of a thought leading kind of a guy. He was amazing. And he taught me a long time ago that I should question authority. Not necessarily all the time, because sometimes it just makes sense, right? Go back to my analogy. You pull up to the stop sign and there's a cop waving you through. He's just trying to help things along in this case, right? So you just wave past that stop sign. That's fine. I don't have to think about it. He's out in the road. The other people are stopped. He's waving me through. I don't stop at the stop sign, even though I've been conditioned to stop at the stop sign before. Conversely, the cop's not there. I ought to stop at the stop sign because I might run somebody over or get run over myself. And that's okay. You don't always have to question all the authority. Sometimes it just makes sense. But sometimes it doesn't quite make sense. You know what I mean? 
Like sometimes your doctor makes a recommendation and you're like, wait a minute, is this really what I want to do? I mean, I, th- I heard statin drugs aren't that good sometimes that maybe they can cause you, uh, you know, leg pain or all kinds of other unhappy things. Maybe they can cause heart attacks. <gasps> yeah, maybe. Interesting. I've heard that the flu shot could maybe increase the risk of miscarriage in a pregnant woman. Maybe. I don't know. So then when you're not sure, you ought to look into it. And when it comes to pharmacy, you have to just remember one thing. And it's really simple. And it's not different with other things. It's just that pharmacy has proven that they cannot be trusted. And so they've proven that they cannot be trusted. We know that the government makes them go through all these hoops just to get a stupid drug approved. Because we know that a lot of the drugs are pretty dangerous, even once they're approved. Oftentimes, drugs drugs are revoked because once they get on the market for a while, they're like, whoa. Now, I believe that cholesterol drugs, you're going to see very soon billboards telling you that cholesterol drugs and PPIs, that you know you got hurt by this drug, call this law firm and we'll sue those sons of guns. That's going to happen. It's just around the corner. Enough people are on these drugs and they're causing enough problems that eventually it's going to catch up to them like it usually does. But before then, they've made billions of dollars. So if a doctor is recommending a drug and the doctor is primarily educated by drug companies and the drug companies are selling the drug and have a profit that they have to make to keep the shareholders happy, then it stands to reason that you probably should not trust that system implicitly. You better look into the drug they're recommending and make sure that it's something maybe you should do. I'm not saying don't ever go on the drug your doctor gives you. I've gone on drugs my doctor gives me. I don't go on very many of them. I don't go to my doctor very often. But when I do, if it makes sense and I can see that there is more benefit than risk, I will do quote unquote, as I'm told, but not until I educate myself on it. So if you're the sheep in the corral and the big sheep's going out there towards the road, you ought to look and think, hey, I don't know what, this big sheep's been pretty reliable up to this point, but he's doing something stupid right now. Uh-uh, I ain't following. But that's not what sheep do. They don't employ critical thinking. You can, we can, as human beings, employ that critical thinking, think for ourselves, and sometimes say, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not going to obey that order. Now, I'm going to talk about conformity as well, but because I went over like I thought I would, and we're almost 30 minutes into the program, we're going to cut to a break. And when I come back next week, I'll talk about the conformity video. If you want to see it and get a little sneak peek, the whole video is up on facebook.com slash vitality radio. And I'm telling you, it's great stuff. It's really great stuff because it goes hand in hand with this why we obey. Why do we obey? Why do we conform? Why do we just do what we're told even when we know that a lot of times the people telling us the stuff to do can't be trusted? Yeah, we'll talk about that next week. I'm going to cut to a very quick break. When I come back, we're going to get into cold and flu with this time of year comes an increase in colds and flus. I'm going to talk about why why we get them, why that's not always a bad thing, and what we should do when we get them to get over them. That's what's coming next 
We're going to give you the natural alternatives for cold and flu season when we come back. You're listening to me, Jared St. Clair, and this is Vitality Radio. Of all the gimmicks that ever were, perhaps men's sexual performance ads and products are at the top of the list. So why would I approve a men's sexual performance ad to air during Vitality Radio? That's easy. This one is legit. Full disclosure, I formulated this one myself after years of frustration with the lack of great products available. Man Up is the formula. How it works is threefold. First, it delivers a significant dose of L-citrulline, which creates nitric oxide, thereby increasing blood flow and oxygen to muscle tissue. This not only improves performance and endurance, but also has the side benefit of being very good for your heart and cardiovascular system. Second, Man Up helps with hormone balance and natural testosterone production. And third, Man Up even helps calm performance anxiety, something a lot of men struggle with after having issues with sexual performance. Man Up is safe and can be used daily or as needed. It is great for the gym or the bedroom. So if you're tired of the endless hype ads about male performance supplements and are ready for one that is natural, safe, effective, and guaranteed, it's time to try Man Up. For more information about Man Up, call Vitality Nutrition at 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. All righty, welcome back to Vitality Radio. I'm your host, and my name is Jared St. Clair. It's good to be with you once again on Vitality Radio. I love doing this show. Thank you for lending me your ear. If you like what you hear, go tell somebody. Love bringing you this. Love doing what I do. It's so much fun. Let's talk about cold and flu. I've been smacking down the flu shot a lot lately. I got a letter about it and somebody was, whoo, man, they were upset. And that's okay. Because, you know, it was about five years ago, about halfway into my run on Vitality Radio, because we're going to hit 11 years doing this show at the end of November. It's unbelievable, actually. But regardless, Five years in-ish, I had been very hesitant to ruffle too many feathers. I didn't want to make the authorities, you know, so to speak, upset with me. I didn't want people to think I was some sort of quack. And I didn't feel like I was because I felt like I was telling the truth. And uh, so I had this sort of of torn a little bit. And I finally decided, you know what, I'm just going to tell it like it is. I'm going to say exactly what I feel because I feel it very passionately in my heart. Now, I am not always right, I'm sure. I'm sure I'm missing some things. I get that. And I don't want to come across as the guy that thinks he's always right. (laughs) Everybody hates that guy, right? But I will tell you that I study very, very carefully what I say on this show to try to avoid those holes and those errors and to give you really good, legitimate information that you can use to improve your family's health. And sometimes that smacks against what the authorities are telling us. So I've been talking a lot about the flu shot. I'm not a fan. I'm not going to go into details at all on this show about that. I don't believe it works. I believe it's dangerous. And that's all we need to know. But I do want to talk about boosting immunity because there are things you can do short of the flu shot that can give you some real protection. Now, when you grow up in a health food store like I did, you learn some strange ways to take care of yourself. As a kid, my parents taught me prevention rather than, uh, you know, medicine after the fact. In fact, there's this really great uh, story or a poem about the ambulance down in the valley. Um, I may read that uh, coming up soon on, a, on an episode. 
Maybe I did read it recently. <laughs> I think I did. Wow. I do a lot of radio shows. Anyway, it doesn't matter. The Ambulance Down in the Valley, look it up. It's a great poem about this. Prevention, man. A pound of prevention, an ounce of cure. Oh, wait, it's the other way around, right? An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Absolutely. And that's what I learned. My parents raised me on something called emergency. Well, you can see emergency in every Walmart, Costco, and everywhere else now. And it's owned by Pfizer now, and it's a not nearly as good a product as it used to be. Now I use NRC. But the point is, NRC is a really great, highly bioavailable, non-acidic form of vitamin C in this really tasty powder that you just throw in water and it fizzes and you drink it and it's really good for your immune system. And I did that from the time I was as, as young as I can remember, at least when I started kindergarten. I know every morning during the winter, I did a drink of emergency and headed out the door. Um, I learned that sugar is the enemy when you get sick. Now, I like sugar. I've confessed that on Vitality Radio before. I, I, unfortunately, I like it entirely too much. But the point of the matter is, I learned that if you are getting sick, you're getting that scratchy throat, you're getting a runny nose, you got to get off the sugar because it weakens your immune system and increases inflammation. But mostly I learned that it's best to prevent illness with natural remedies rather than to get sick and fight the symptoms after the fact. But guess what? We all get sick sometimes, still, even if we prevent, even if we do everything we're supposed to do. I remember feeling when I was a young father, I had these two kids, Lily and Bridger. Lily's 22 now, Bridger's 20, and they're amazing. They really are. And back then they were even, can I say this? A little more amazing because they were cuter. But regardless, when they were little, real little, like a year, two, three years old, they were getting sick a lot. You know, colds and sniffles and all this stuff. And I'm like, what the heck is going on, man? I run Vitality. I know what I'm doing. How can I not get these kids well? And I really struggled with it for a while. And it was pretty annoying. I'm not going to lie. Like super annoying. I hated it. And I came across an article by a guy named Ben Kim, Dr. Ben Kim, a long time ago. But not that long ago. Maybe 15 years ago or something. After my kids were kind of past that stage, you're getting sick a lot. And uh, anyway, the point is, I came across this article and I was like, oh, I get it now. And I shared this article on Vitality Radio like five years ago, maybe 10 years ago. It's probably really early into the run because it, it's such great information and it's been forever and I need to talk about it again. Now, I've looked into this in more detail beyond just what Dr. Kim said to make sure that it's just, just, you know, his thoughts on this. And I've learned a lot about it, and it makes perfect sense now. Like, I totally understand it. I could have written the article. But 15 years ago, 20 years ago, I didn't have a clue. And I'm going to go through this in some detail because he does it really, really well, and I want to share it with you. And Dr. Ben Kim is a great follow on, uh, on the Internet. Check him out. He says, conventional medicine and the pharmaceutical industry would have you believe that there is no cure for the common cold, that you should protect yourself against the flu with a vaccine that is laden with toxic chemicals, and that during the midst of a cold or flu, it is favorable to ease your discomfort with a variety of medications that can suppress your symptoms. Unfortunately, all three of these positions indicate a lack of understanding of what colds and flus really are and what they do for not two, but four, our bodies. Colds and flus are caused by viruses. 
So you understand what colds and flus do at the cellular level, you have to understand what viruses do at a cellular level, he continues. Do you remember learning about cellular division in grade 7 science class? Each of your cells are called parent cells. And through possession, or sorry, through process of genetic duplication, they divide into two daughter cells, and so on and so forth. Viruses are different from our cells in that they cannot duplicate themselves through the same process. Viruses are nothing but microscopic particles of genetic material, each coated by a thin layer of protein. Due to their design, viruses are not able to reproduce on their own. The only way that viruses can flourish in your body is by using machinery and metabolism of your cells to produce multiple copies of themselves. So you've heard of a computer virus. That's why they call it that, right? Now, I don't know how much you know about this stuff, but it's really interesting. So viruses, they are what they sound like. They're like little parasites. They get in there and then they, they use our body's own systems to explode. Once a virus has gained access into one of your cells, depending on the type of virus involved, one of two things can happen. The virus uses your cell's resources to replicate itself many times over and then breaks open the cells so that the newly replicated viruses can leave in search of a new cell to infect. The vi or the virus incorporates itself into the DNA of your cell, which allows the virus to be passed on to each daughter cell that stems from this cell. Later on, the virus in each daughter cell can begin replicating itself as described above and so on and so forth. Both possibilities lead to the same result. Eventually, the infected cells die due to lysis. Here is the key to understanding why colds and flus, when allowed to run their course while you rest, can actually be good for you. And this is the part I want you to hear because it's important. By and large, the viruses that cause the common cold and the flu infect mainly your weakest cells, cells that are already burdened with excessive waste products and toxins that, and are more likely to allow viruses to infect them. Oh, they are more likely to allow viruses to infect them. These are cells that you want to get rid of anyway to be replaced by newer, healthier cells. So in the big scheme of things, a cold or flu is a natural event that can allow your body to purge itself of old and damaged cells that in the absence of viral infection would normally take much longer to identify, destroy, and eliminate. Isn't that interesting? Now think of it this way. Have you ever been amazed by how much stuff you can blow out of your nose while you had a cold or flu? Embedded within all that mucus are countless dead cells that your body is saying goodbye to largely due to this lytic effect of viruses. So you see that never needs to be a cure for the common cold, since the common cold is just nature's way of keeping you healthy over the long term. Now, we don't love getting the cold still. And there's two parts to this. And Dr. Kim goes on uh, into some detail, but I'm running out of time as usual. So, the most important thing I think to understand is that if you get a cold or a flu, that's okay. We don't want to be down for five, six, seven, you know, eight days, 10 days, like some people are, obviously. And we don't want to deal with the symptoms that we have to deal with. But this is the part where I want to talk about how I recommend doing it and how I do it myself versus how what most people will do. Over-the-counter cold meds, like that's the thing, right? You get sick. Because we all get sick. Even people that are healthy get sick. And that's okay. But when you get sick, how do you do it? Well, you, you, you take a Tylenol to get your fever down. 
Uh, you take a cough suppressant to keep from coughing. They, you keep a, you do an antihistamine, right? To uh, keep the sinuses from running like crazy. But remember that mucus that we're getting rid of, that's a good thing. Remember that fever is fighting off the virus, right? That's a good thing. We have to remember why our body produces these symptoms. And in some cases, these symptoms are really good for us, especially in the case of a cold or a flu, even though they're miserable. So what can you do? Well, you can still boost up your immune system. You can get yourself to the point where your cells are so healthy that you rarely get sick. That's the goal because you don't need to use this lysis thing to get rid of the cells because the cells are in good shape and everything's running smoothly. When we get sick, if you're like me, I get sick when I don't sleep. When I routinely go without enough sleep because I'm too busy burning the candle at both ends like I'm apt to do, I get sick. Well, of course, and that's my body, weak, sick, toxic cells getting rid of themselves. And my body also saying, hey, Jared, slow down, dude. You're making me sick, like literally. And so sometimes I have to listen up and slow down and that's okay. So what do we need to do to build up our bodies? Because this is what I want to do is avoid it in the first place. And I think you do too. Well, the most important thing is sleep, sleep, sleep. If you're young, 7 to 12 years old, you might need 10 or 11 hours a day. From 9 to 10, uh, sorry, 9 to 10 hours from ages 13 to 18. I routinely have parents come in. I shouldn't say routinely, but a few times a year, I feel like I hear it from a parent saying, oh, my teenage son or daughter, you know, they're kind of lazy. They sleep 10, 11 hours sometimes on the weekend. Well, when do they go to school, right? They go at like 7 in the morning, 7.30 in the morning. And, and what? when does your teenager go to bed? Not 10 o'clock at night where they could actually get eight hours or nine hours or 10 hours like they probably actually need. Let your kids sleep a little longer. It's okay. If you're an adult, seven to eight hours. That's for almost all of us. It's a big deal. Um, also, you know, some simple stuff, wash your hands with soap and water, but ignore that antibacterial stuff for the most part. It's usually, we don't want to kill these guys so much. Just wash them away. We can coexist. It's a good thing for us. And vitamin D. I'm going to talk about some of the evidence of vitamin D. New evidence strongly supports that, uh, vitamin D may be the best thing we can do for children to prevent viruses, cold and flu and things like that. So what they did is they did a study, and the study was very interesting. It was done on 10 to 17-year-old kids. A third of the kids received an inactive treatment, in other words, a placebo. Another third got the recommended 200 units a day, which is what the FDA says we should have, which is a joke, but whatever. And then other kids got 2,000 units a day. So 10 times the dose, 14,000 units a week, 2,000 units a day. After a year of treatment, a year, this was a long study, vitamin D levels went up slightly in the placebo group. They went up slightly more in the normal dose group, and they went up dramatically in the 2,000 units a day group with no toxicity. Vitamin D3 is a critical element in fighting, uh, in fighting infections, specifically viruses, and it's important to understand that because in terms of actual evidence, it's 
better than the flu shot could ever claim to be. And I'll prove it right here. Japanese study showed that school children taking vitamin D3 supplements were 58% less likely to catch influenza A. Now, that's a number that's pretty interesting because last year, the flu vaccine was 44% effective, so to speak. Now, 44% effective is, you know, I mean, if you had a 44% less likely chance of getting the flu because you got the flu shot, that'd be awesome. But that's not true. It's a far, 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 far lower than that. Because that just means that all they did is guess correctly. The fact that you didn't get the flu in many cases is because you just didn't get the flu. <laughs> Whether you got the shot or not, most of us don't get the flu every year, right? But to be 58% less likely to catch the flu, that's a big deal. A much higher effectiveness than any flu vaccine can claim. So what else can you do? Get your gut right. Now, I talk about this a lot. I know Maybe it's ad nauseum. I get it. But here's the thing. You need it so bad. Please do it because it's so good for you. Just Thrive Probiotic. It's a bacillus group probiotic that is unique in so many ways compared to other probiotics. And I believe that if everybody listening, I don't care your age or your health history, if you were to take three months of Just Thrive, one capsule a day for three months, it would change your health for the better. It just does every time. It's unbelievable. But one of the biggest things it'll do is get your immune system built up. There's excellent research to support this. And what if you do get sick? What if you do get sick? Well, don't forget what I said about inner C. First off, you can prevent with it. It's awesome stuff. But lots of vitamin C when you get sick is one of the best things to help the process of getting that virus out of there. Because we, I mean, listen, I, I already said, and I don't want to talk out of both sides of my mouth here, so I want to make sure you understand what I'm saying. Or as they say, do not hear what I am not saying. It's okay to get sick, but we have to live in reality too. We don't want to get sick. When we do get sick, we feel like crud and we want to get better sooner rather than later. I don't think it's okay to surrender to the virus necessarily, we can fight back. It'll do what it needs to do to kill off some cells while we're sick. But just expect to not feel well for a few a few days, not weeks. And that's okay. But maybe knock it out in half the time by taking care of yourself, right? Getting plenty of sleep. That helps a lot. Getting plenty of nutrition. That helps a lot. Laying off the sugar. That helps a lot. And there are a couple of herbs that I absolutely love. Olive leaf extract. Olive leaf extract is amazing. In vitro tests show effectiveness against many viruses and bacteria as well as fungal infections. There's so much research on olive leaf proving what it can do for viruses. It's really amazing, uh, including things like parainfluenza, herpes simplex, even uh, various versions of the polio virus, AIDS, believe it or not, rhinoviruses. These are all things that have been proven clinically olive leaf acts against. It's a very, very powerful agent uh, against viruses. Elderberry is amazing. The most well-researched herb that I'm aware of when it comes specifically to the flu. Really, really great stuff. It can cut a flu in half. We've got these new little elderberry drinks that are awesome. They have 300 berries worth of elderberry in them. And you just kind of sip them throughout the day if you start to get sick. And elderberry has been proven to cut the flu in half just all by itself. It's really amazing stuff. Oregano oil, 
awesome, awesome stuff. I'm a huge believer in oregano oil. When I get sick, I go heavy on olive leaf, oregano oil, elderberry, just knock them back often. If I start to feel like maybe there's something coming on, I'll start hitting it real hard so the virus doesn't catch hold. You can do that and you can do it effectively. But get your sleep, stay hydrated. And then if you want sort of an all-in-one solution, get well, stay well. It's a formula that people absolutely love. This time of year at Vitality Nutrition, it's our number one selling product and it's not very close. I tell people, if you really want to do the basics to prevent this stuff, you take vitamin D. If you're a kid, 1,000 to 2,000 units. That one study I was sharing with you with 2,000 units a day for kids 10 to 17 years old. usually recommend less than that if you're under 10, like maybe 500 to 1,000 units. But vitamin D, for, if you're an adult, probably about 5,000 units is the right dose every single day. Just Thrive Probiotic just for a few months. Even a month is a big difference for the immune system. But usually in three months, people feel better in so many other ways as well. I absolutely love that product. And then a couple of capsules of Get Well, Stay Well. That's got oregano in it. It's got olive leaf in it. It's got elderberry in it. It's got some additional vitamin C, additional zinc, and um, so much more. Really, really amazing product, if I do say so myself. And again, our number one seller this time of year, people absolutely swear by it. That combination helps people stay well better than anything I've ever seen. And then what's awesome about it is if you do start to get sick, you just bump up the dose so they get well, stay well. But, you know, even AARP now is sending out warnings saying, be careful what you do with over-the-counter meds, particularly cold meds. There's not a single study that's been done on cold meds for six and under. And yet there's all these cold med combinations for six years old and under out there over the counter. And we don't know if they're safe at all. One thing we do know is that they have side effects for sure. The question is how bad and how long lasting might those side effects be? We have to be cautious. We have to be cautious when it comes to this stuff. When we talk about what to do when we're sick, I think the first thing we want to do naturally is just feel better. Not necessarily get better, but just feel better, right? You know, NyQuil, right? The nighttime stuffy coughing fever so you can rest medicine or whatever it is. Yeah, because who wants to feel like crap? I get it. I don't. For sure. And I would be lying to you right now if I didn't say that I have resorted to some of those meds from time to time when I've needed to get a night's sleep. But we really want to let this stuff run its course as much as possible. The fever is a good thing unless it gets really, really high. The coughing, you're expectorating stuff out of the lungs more often than not. And that's good. The snot coming out of your nose, that's good. This is all good stuff. In fact, I've talked about snot before, but guess what? We swallow some of that snot, don't we? Nobody wants to admit it, but it happens. It goes down the back of your throat and down into your stomach. And that snot is, that, that mucus is encasing these viruses and they're getting down in the, in, in the intestinal tract and they're sending a signal to our intestinal tract to say, boost up this immune system against this virus. And that's one of the reasons why I love the idea of natural immunity versus the idea of something like the flu shot. 
because our body can do it on its own. It's supposed to, it's built to do it, and it does it really, really well. So sometimes it's okay to get sick. But if you want to get better and you want to get better naturally, the best way to do it is get plenty of rest, kind of let the symptoms do what they need to do, and build up your immune system and fight it off with natural things. That's what I do. That's what I recommend for you. And that's what I do with my children. Hey, we're at the end of another show. And I loved this one. I really, really enjoyed it. If you want to see those videos that I talked about, go to Vitality Radio on Facebook. It's facebook.com slash Vitality Radio. Why we obey, why we conform. Really great stuff. And if you want to get well, get well, stay well uh, is a great option. Olive leaf, oregano, inner sea. Not emergency. Stay away from that stuff. It's owned by Pfizer and it's not that good. But NRC is awesome. And of course, we have that at Vitality Nutrition. Thank you so much for listening to me. Thank you so much for lending me your ear, talking, listening to these things. I've got a really great episode already planned for you next week. I'm going to rebut a little bit the letter that I got, but I'll do it in a polite way. Maybe more so than the letter was to me. And that's okay. The high road's the best road. And I'm going to talk more about why we conform next week. You're listening to me, Jared St. Clair, and this is Vitality Radio. You've been listening to the Vitality Radio podcast. Enjoy your week. In the meantime, Jared will be feverishly searching for the latest nutrition info to educate you on and wading into mounds of propaganda to help steer you through it. Vitality Radio is researched and written by Jared St. Clair, produced by Elizabeth Joy Windham, with very limited help from Jared. Our awesome music is by Brian Bob Young. Support Vitality Radio by subscribing and giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or your favorite podcast source. Don't forget to follow us at Vitality Radio on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Please let us know your thoughts about this episode by using the hashtag Vitality Radio Podcast. And if you like what you hear, go tell somebody with a share, a screenshot, or an airdrop. Thank you. Hello, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Vitality Radio. Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast has not been evaluated by the FDA. This podcast is provided with the understanding that the information shared is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This podcast is not a substitute for professional care by a medical professional. Thank you.